Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you are able to have some rest and relaxation and happiness with your families and loved ones. This is Christina Boss Hamilton, and welcome to the Blueprint for California Advocates. Today is a bonus episode in the spirit of the holiday season. I speak with Victor Naro from the UCLA Labor Center. Mr. Naro is a nationally known expert on immigrant rights and low-wage workers. He has been on the podcast in the past. Today we are talking about his new book, The Activist Spirit Toward a Radical Solidarity. And you can find this book on the website for Hardball Press, which I will link to in the show notes. I encourage you to purchase a copy to read and share with your family and friends. We talk about the spiritual core in the work for justice and why we must give ourselves time to turn inward to care for not just the world around us, but for ourselves and to care for our family and our loved ones. That is how we make our work better and more effective. I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Again, happiest holidays and see you all in the new year. I am happy to have a return guest on today, Mr. Victor Naro, who is a friend and a hero to me and somebody that I aspire to live by the example that he shows as a longtime advocate in the quest for social justice. I have Victor on today to talk about his new book. There's a lot for advocates to get value out of the book, to inform your strategies moving forward. Thank you for coming on, Victor, and I would love for you to take a moment to introduce yourself. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on your podcast. Victor Nardo, I'm faculty at the Labor Studies Program, and also I teach a public interest law school class at UCLA, and I work as a project director with the UCLA Labor Center, focus mostly on immigrant rights and labor. I work a lot with the labor movement here in California. The book really grabbed me. It actually was from the first sentence, which I think is really relevant. So I'm just going to read this quickly. In chapter one, you write, the work for social justice is a calling. It is about finding the goodness in yourself and in others as we move forward together towards a society that realizes a higher good, justice, peace, and equality for all. I really love that. I never thought of social justice work as a calling. It hits me like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Why do we dedicate our lives to this struggle that there's not an apparent gain for us, right? Like we we are committing ourselves to making the world a better place. And that's not something that's traditionally rewarded. I want to start there and the spirituality of advocacy and the work for justice, as you say. What prompted you to write the book? About 10 years ago, I started going inwards to tap into that essence of what's inside of us. When you think in terms of the entire United States population, it's a very small percentage of uh, individuals who commit their lives to doing the work that you and I and others do, which is to bring justice to others around us and to create a great future for our children. I started exploring that, and I think this became even more important on the pandemic. 
I do suffer from mental health issues, which also is something that's very common. I think yeah. may, maybe social justice activists also struggle with similar yes. issues. Um, and you know, the, the pandemic put us in shelter in place. Our reality, our connection became Zoom. It became a, a computer screen. But my work involves essential workers, immigrant workers in these industries that were hit hard by the pandemic. Communities of color, we know, were hit the hardest by the pandemic. We lost family members. We lost friends in the movement. We lost worker leaders, community leaders. But also, for me, shelter in place triggers episodes because of my childhood. I, I grew up with a lot of violence in New York City when I came to this country during the 1960s and 70s. And yeah. violence on the streets, violence in our community. So shelter in place was not healthy for me. It went through a struggle of depression, but what really helps me is get a piece of paper and just jot down, do a lot of journaling, a lot of mindfulness, breathing, meditation. I started filling pages after pages and then one thing led to another and I was like, well, let me start making sense of what I'm writing. One thing led to another and it led to this great publication. I went inwards and also was trying to get to the core of why I do this work, but also what does it mean to be in community and solidarity? How do we take care of ourselves and how do we address crisis? One thing I'm learning the more I do this kind of work is crisis is inevitable. You have days where things come together, we accomplish great things. Yeah. But then we have days where we are addressing a major crisis or things are just falling apart. We're living through those now, for example, yeah. went through this a horrible crisis now in City Hall and also the LA County Federation of Labor with those audio recordings of those right. meetings. So that's the crisis, things right. falling apart. Then we got to come together and put it back together. We do that with the spirit of radical solidarity. And that's why I use radical solidarity in the title of the book. In my experience doing advocacy work for many years, more than I want to even count, it is something that we don't give ourselves space for the feelings of the crisis. Working through and past crisis takes a toll on our spirits and on our mental health. We're human beings. We respond to trauma also, but we don't talk about it. So I mentioned this in the last podcast. I have found working in the labor movement, high rates of alcoholism and burnout because you push, you push, you push. And after years, you start developing really negative coping techniques. I mean, obviously that's not everybody, but I saw enough examples to say that's, that almost is like the path that if you're not conscious, you might start going on. We don't talk out loud about it, but at the same time, it does have such a profound influence. So books like this that force us to take a moment to acknowledge how we feel and our own inner health and spirituality is really important and not at all talked about enough. It's not a misconception about this work. It's not about disconnecting from the work. It's doing the same work better and healthier mm. and with a concept of community care, yeah. like radical solidarity. Yeah. We look out for each other. There's so many high stakes campaigns, like union campaigns. It's just a major struggle and you're trying to win a contract for the workers. It's high stakes and we all yeah. go through the emotions of these yes. campaigns. Yes. How we can be there to help each other. How to bring in practices on coping with the stress, the anxiety, and the crisis that comes up. It's not about disconnecting from the work, it's doing it better. The other argument I received, this kind of work is demanding and you're supposed to be willing to do that sacrifice. We already 
do sacrifice a lot, but we also need to have that boundary. We all have families, so we want to be there for our families. Being an activist is also being an activist for your children, being an advocate for your significant other. I used to buy into this concept that, you know, you sacrifice your relationships and everything for the cause. But now I realize today, you're supposed to integrate them. Being an activist for your work, for your community also means your family members, your children. We need to redefine what this concept of sacrifice means. It does not mean sacrificing our children, uh, being there for them. How do we hope to recruit anybody into advocacy if this is what we're presenting them with? You know, do this work and guess what? You're going to have to say goodbye to everybody and all your relationships will go down the toilet. Who's going to want to do that? Also the reality that we have leaders in the movement that expect that from people. There's some bad leadership out there that perpetuates this toxic expectation. And it's incumbent on us, Victor, you and people like me who are in senior level positions to call that out. When we do that, all we're doing is perpetuating the system of oppression. We're not actually changing anything. We're just internalizing it and becoming the same as what it is that we're trying to fight against. I feel optimistic because a lot of the activists who are embracing this concept of the younger generation, little things will be changing. I feel hopeful. Yes, you know, I totally I, agree like with the that. The labor movement, like the biggest, the most innovative unionization campaigns that they are being led by young activists, putting so much yes. of themselves into the campaign, but they're also embracing the community and taking care of themselves. And it hasn't affected their ability to win. You know, look at the Starbucks organizing, there are hundreds of yeah. union victories. They've given themselves fully to that movement. Yeah. They're also embracing this process of spirituality, community care. It's more of our generation of activists where we need to work harder to create this pivot. We're just as shitty bosses to our yeah. staff as the people yeah. we're organizing. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. Not only is it infuriating, but it's like, we're never going to change anything. We're not making the world a better place by doing this. The other thing is joy. We feel like we've got to always be angry. But anger destroys you. Desmond Tutu talks about anger is useful when it's righteous anger, like when you channel it towards acts yeah. of injustice, That's bad true. laws or bad policies. Joy is there always, and you always tap into joy. The misconception is how can you be joyful when everybody's struggling? That's ego-centered me versus them. It's the joy of knowing that we are able to do this work. I wake up in the, every morning, I just do my meditation. Like, no matter what happens today, I have the joy knowing I have another day. I can give myself to the work for justice. And joy is always something you can tap into at any moment. That's why you see in a younger generation, the Starbucks workers, they're joyful. We just have a big victory with Strippers United, the first ever union election. When you go to their picket lines, it's all about celebration, joy, yeah. singing. I love that the book focuses on St. Francis of Assisi. His life is one of inspiration. I love that you break the chapters into the Beatitudes because each one of those is a meditation. How did you first get interested in St. Francis? I was a horrible student in public school in New York City. My parents felt my middle school year should be in a Catholic school, which I hated it because back then they were allowed to punish you. We're learning about the saints. St. Francis was the only saint I connected with when I was young because he was a lay person. He condemned the church. He 
chose to live and worked in the leper colony. He hated capitalism. Back then, it was the beginning of mercantilism. He hated the inequalities. I connected with him right away. Ten years ago, I started reading more of his books, started integrating him more into my practice. And he just that activist from 800 years ago. The Catholic Church made him a saint one month after he died to take over his movement. They were so threatened by his movement. He mobilized like six to 10,000 people, which in yeah. those days, like you had nothing. He was able to mobilize 10,000 people at one uh, gathering and the Catholic Church became threatened that he was yeah. forming this movement. So my book taps into St. Francis the Activist. I'm very religious, I'm Catholic, but he teaches me more as an activist was as a yeah. saint. That's my version of Christianity. That's the Jesus I follow, the activist Jesus. That is to me the core of what his teachings were, fundamental calls against inequality and discrimination and leading by love and inclusion. But those things have just been so bastardized by these political opportunists who've turned it into a money-making machine. I call them the fake Christians. They're sadly very prolific. <laughs> it's incumbent on us to go back to the original teachings of what this was all about. To me, it is very spiritual. It is working toward the collective good. Is there a practice that you would recommend for an advocate who is new to this concept of radical solidarity and spirituality in general? It's going to be different for everyone. You create your own spiritual recipe. For example, if you have a family ancestry with indigenous roots, there's a lot of beautiful indigenous practices. Yeah. spiritual practices. Look into that because that may be what you might want to look first. If you want to focus on meditation and breathing, mindfulness practice, then bring that in. I think something different for everyone. Create your own spiritual recipe that yeah. works for you and then bring that into your practice. That's so inclusionary. A lot of people didn't grow Catholic or are not Christians. This is about embracing how it mean what it means to you what you are called to do i really like that a lot i have so many atheist friends i love this book i don't mention the word god yeah the whole book the book that can connect with anyone whether you're yes. religious or not religious whether you're an atheist yes. or whether you're a spiritualist if you're an activist for justice part of your work should be creating a spiritual recipe for yourself and explore and then bring it all in it's a beautiful process integrating that into your work for justice, which I think it makes you do the work better. I agree. Not do the work less, but do the work better in, in a way that's totally more sustainable. How can folks purchase your book? You know, Hardball Press, it's a union publisher in New York. I'm going to put the link in the yeah. show notes. Thank you for coming back on and using this time with me to talk about how this work impacts us. Thank you for sharing. How can folks find you in general? The UCLA Labor Center website has my bio with my contact info, my email address. Thank you for bringing this joy through the book into the world, Victor. It's very sorely so much these days. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much, Christina. If you are liking the content of my show, please leave a review. That would be awesome and recommend to your networks. You can also check out my socials in the show notes. Also my website, www.kbhadvocacy.com. Hope to connect soon.